Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters To Go. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. It's Thursday, May 29th. Yep, it's the Tuesday show on Thursday. I'm Leanne Dolan here in Pasadena, California. Julie Dolan is in Dallas, Texas. Julie, I will confess it was my fault. I had to have a plumber in Tuesday morning. So that's why we had to shift the week around. So thank you for accommodating my plumbing needs. Well, that, Leanne, anything for that. And I understand he was kind of a creepy plumber, Leanne. Such a creepy plumber. What I, you know, I just don't understand. So I, I was so upset after his behavior, a lot of like staring and wordlessness and bizarre behavior that I couldn't even call the head plumber. So I'm going to call today. But all I could say is I was very grateful to have a 19 year old boy in the house. You know, I was glad that Brooks was here. And then when he came back and knocked on the door for a third creepy time, I brought the German shepherd out. I was going, (laughs) you have to, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the kind of jobs that creeps get. Well, jobs where they can get into your home, right? I just, you're very vulnerable when you have service people in the house. That's, and I was explaining that to the boys, uh, that uh, you're very vulnerable as a single female. And that's, you know, hopefully for them, that's never, um, now that they're older and bigger, that's not a a feeling that they're ever going to have, but that's, that's the way you feel. And this guy was inappropriate. So... All right. Well, let's move on because we have a lot of stuff to cover yes. on, on the show this week. Um, let's see. We're going to talk about – I completely lost my list now, Jill. Oh, you have a big international news roundup. Yes, we, uh, but we have to talk about some big events, yeah. including that very interesting interview with Brian Williams did with um, Edward Snowden. I don't know if you saw it, but I have some comments. I'm sure you do. We have Tuesday trends. We have food trends. And we have uh, some important undergarment news. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. A whole new category of bras, Julie, I want to tell you about. And then um, we have advice for Zorro from the Satellite Sisters dog trainer, Kyra Sundance. So uh, we shouted out to her on the show a couple weeks ago. She's a regular listener. Uh, She's written many books. She's a professional dog trainer. And she she has some awesome advice for lazy Zorro. Oh, now he's lazy. Well, okay. We'll see. There you go. There you go. Um, But first up, you know, the passing of Maya Angelou yesterday, a lot of people have commented on their Facebook page. And Julie, hasn't it been amazing just to see um, the clips of her from her young days as an actress and a singer and a dancer to amazing clips from the inauguration to just her graciousness from clips from last week. What an amazing woman. And every single time she opens her mouth, you feel like you learned something, don't you? She, she has, she had such a presence. She was just incredibly profound. You know, Leanne, we had the great honor. It was a great privilege to have her on Satellite Sisters. Um, and it was so memorable. But the thing that for me that was the most memorable was she's one of these people that just operates at a different realm. And yet, 
Even though she didn't know us, she made us all feel so wonderful, didn't she? I was so nervous to do that interview Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. we had her on for her cookbook that came out in 2004. The cookbook was a beautiful, it's it's called Hallelujah, The Welcome Table. Because, of course, everything she does operates on many levels, you know? So it's cooking and remembrances and the recipes are are Southern but filled with uh, sort of heart and, and wonderful stories. But I was so nervous to interview her because she's Dr. Maya Angelou, you know, and I'm not. And uh, one of the things we used to do when we had cookbook authors on was make a dish. And I remember she was very, very touched that I made her banana bread pudding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and then she immediately started asking us about being sisters and our sister relationship. And it was just, she was just absolutely lovely. But I thought when I was watching all these remembrances, she was so wise but she was not uh, condescending, you know. No, exactly. Like the bigger she, you know, the the bigger she was as a person, she still had the ability to relate to you as an individual, and she didn't make you feel like you were a nobody, even though that's exactly how we were feeling. Right. <laughs> right. Moment. Right. Like, oh my gosh, we have to, you know, we're going to be talking to Dr. Maya Angelou. We were all very, very nervous about that. Right. And, I, you know, she had the ability to say really profound things in a very personal way so that you just didn't realize how profound they were until afterwards. You're like, huh. So that's, I was struck by that time and time again, and certainly in her actual poetry, but then seeing so many clips uh, of her this week, she was just quite a presence. And uh, it was a privilege uh, to talk to her. I'm happy to have her cookbook. It's it's signed by her. And uh which is a nice a nice treat to have, but um, the memory of that conversation is important too. I will try to find that podcast. I have na- yes. narrowed it down to the year of 2004. And as we have mentioned before, the archives can be sketchy. Uh, every <laughs> once in a while, things pop up though. So uh, I'll do a little work over the next couple of days to see if I can find that um, and repost it for everybody to listen to, because that was a pleasure, a real pleasure to speak to her. Yes, so... Yeah, I wonder. I wonder what her memorial service will be like. I don't. I don't know, Lillian, because what what a life she had. Right. Yeah, right. What a life, mm-hmm. and she gave so much. She was a great gift to us all. So yes, yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Speaking of great gifts to us all. Um, oh, you know, no, we were going to do the international news roundup, but the other just on the flip side of just human tragedy this week, Julie, I. I have been so saddened by that UCSB shooting. It has been uh, just something that has weighed so heavily on me this week as our news here in California, our local news and the Los Angeles Times has done just a really remarkable job of highlighting the victims of that shooting and, you know, giving me a window into their lives and to the grief of the parents. I have just been overwhelmed by sadness this week yeah. thinking about that. And I know that, that these kind of violent deaths happen every single day in America, but I think this was the concentration of it, the age population, just like my own son. You exactly. see those photos, you know, those kids, you know, even though you don't know those kids. And I, I was struck both by the fact that several of the victims were um, only only children that got to me. And then yesterday, uh, Anderson Cooper has been doing a really wonderful job uh, reporting on the victims and he does not 
say the shooter's name in his coverage. He does not show the shooter's picture. He is not showing the shooter's tape. And I'll talk a little bit about that. But yesterday they had the brother on of one of the victims. And that got to me too. Just, oh, such sadness, such sadness this week. It's such tremendous loss. I mean, because they were young, you know, hopeful, you know, they were at the prime of their life. And, you know, to have yet another horrible tragedy, you know, it's like we, you know, we, barely have room in our hearts to feel, you know, right. for, for this, because it, it's sadly, I know it's still considered rare, but it doesn't seem that rare to me. No. It seems like it's, it is such a frequent um, occurrence, but I'm very glad in that, you know, that you're as sad as it is, the focus is on the victims, because I think a lot of the coverage that I, at least I've been listening to, that somehow it has morphed into a discussion of misogyny. You know, mm-hmm. that, and, and while I think that's important, I think it, it takes away from just the, you know, the heartbreaking tragedy of those parents, of the siblings, of you know, of the friends that have, lo- you know, and the great sense of loss. I mean, yes, there maybe there are larger issues and we do, you know, we have talked about the mental health issues uh, and maybe there was an issue of misogyny, but I'm, I'm not certain that this is the right time for it. Well, I don't, I think that the, the shooter had a lot, uh, there was a lot operating yeah. in that guy, yeah. in that shooter. And it was, he, he had a lot of hatred for a lot of people. So yeah. I think that is part of this discussion, but it's not the, the only part of the discussion. You know, it has been interesting watching Anderson Cooper all week because his coverage of these events, he does not reveal the shooter's name and he doesn't, um, you know, show their picture or anything. And it's a direct response to reading that book, Columbine by David Cullen. Have you ever read that book that came out like three or four years ago? And it is supposed to be a magnificent book, I believe. And I do not know this for sure, but I think it won the National Book Award. And it was one of those books I put on my list to read. But at the time, we were going through a lot with mom and dad, and it was just so dark. Um, But Anderson Cooper said that that changed his life as a journalist because what, um, you know, what time and perspective have has given in the Columbine case is that so many of the details initially reported about the shooters were just dead wrong. They were just absolutely wrong. And David Cullen was on this week, the writer of of Columbine. And he said, you know, if you could interview a thousand neighbors and 999 of them would have said, oh, they were great kids. You know, it doesn't add anything to our understanding of the events at all. He Mm -hmm. said that, you know, these, these shooters don't really follow a pattern for any particular reason other than their mental health issues. Perhaps, but in in the case of the Columbine shooters, they did not think there were. So, uh, so it's been a very different coverage over there on AC three sixty because he doesn't do it. So it does make me actually want to read that book now. Just mm-hmm. um, just because, as you said, it feels like not a month goes by <laughs> that right. we don't. How right. are, not a couple of months go by where we don't have this sort of tragedy and then this media response and our personal responses and then we move on to the next one and you know part of it uh is the coverage uh, the continued coverage of the shooter you know david cullen the journalist is is absolutely convinced that that was that's why there have been so many copycats since columbine is because of the coverage they Mm -hmm. want publicity and others feel like this is you know that this is the way they can destroy their life or they can go out and right 
you know, right. with some infamy. So. And it, it did make me think like today on Good Morning America, they again did a long report on the, the shooter and the, the response of the shooter's family, which you can imagine seems to just, they're completely oh. devastated. But in contrast, I was like, you know what? I, I can see why this is not helpful. <laughs> now that I've been watching Anderson Cooper, listening to David Cullen, thinking about that whole idea, like seeing the grace uh, and the dignity of the victims' families, oh. you know, that to me is a more powerful statement. So I just very sad this week, uh, just about all of that, about all of that. Well, Leon, you know, that while that's been going on here in the U.S., there have been a number of international stories that I've been sort of watching over the last couple of weeks. Um, uh, one is uh, my former hometown. You know, I lived in Bangkok, Thailand. Uh, my, my husband ha- was an we were expats over there. We lived in Thailand for five years. We love it there. We love we love the country. We love the people. And so it's always I'm always watching what's going on there and always trying to figure out how I can get back to Bangkok. But they recently had a coup. This was yes. the 12th coup since 1932. Uh, they have a monarchy that we have talked about on the show, Leon, and he is uh, the monarch. The king is held in very, very high respect there. It is it is almost um, unimaginable how, you know, how much respect the Thai people have for um, their for the king, for the royal family, and how even even the slightest you know offense um, towards the king is considered really a very serious crime in Thailand. So we don't joke about it, and we don't make we don't make jokes about any musicals that might include the name King Louis. <laughs> no, no, we, we don't. We have we learned that. So, but it is, you know, it did sort of sadden me because I think the issue in Thailand, this is the 12th coup, the military has stepped in. They've been struggling for the last several years between, um, with their governments. They were, you know, they have a democratically elected government, but their issue in Thailand seems to be corruption. The former prime minister, Shinawatra, is now in exile in Dubai, Leon, and mm-hmm. his sister, Yingluck Shinawatra, was elected prime minister. So, Really? That doesn't yes. seem like... Why you do people to... do that? Why do... I don't know. Why so... do countries do that? You so, were terrible. Let's try your sister. Let's... I know. And so it's it seems like it's quite possible that the country of Thailand is actually being run by the brother in in Dubai. Okay. So so there've been protests against this government um and they've been, you know, in they've turned violent. So I think it was at that point that the military felt like they needed to step in. They have put out a, just the most unusual statement. They've said don't protest. It's no use. That's what they have told all the protesters. It's no use. But it is very serious because they have rounded up. They've rounded it up. Journalists, activists, um, um, academics. Um, they are really trying to sort of clamp down on things. They are. They were trying to get these two different parties together. Those that favor this uh, Shinawatra that are aligned with sort of the royal, the royalists um, and sort of the status quo. And then the more popular movement um, there, they're trying to get them to negotiate a new government, but it does give you such insight about how difficult democracy is, you know, I mean, and how difficult it is for, you know, for prosperous, educated countries, you know, to, 
to keep it going and not to fall victim to corruption or to or to some sort of power grab. And, you know, and hopefully um, Thailand will be able to work through this um, and that they will be able to get an interim government in place. But it's just it's it's come to such a head. And part of it is because the king, Lian, is yeah. 86 years old. Oh. He is in frail health. He has not been seen in public. In fact, when the military took over, they their first public appearance was with just a portrait of the king because he was he was not well enough to, you know, sort of to be there. I shouldn't laugh, but that's kind of funny. <laughs> right. But but then they have a real succession issue, Leon, because yeah. the next generation, while there is a very strong uh, daughter that I would be rooting for, the son who is next in line. And I and again, people don't speak about the royal family but I don't hear good things about him, Leon. Oh. That's the report. And so they don't feel like he's going to be the kind of leader that can be able to let democracy prosper um, and, you know, and still have the ceremonial and very important role that the monarchy does have in Thailand. So it is... Um, you know, it's not certain which way things are going to go. So, but that is, and it's a very important country in Southeast Asia. It's been a very good friend to the United States. And um, it's of great concern that um, they're going through this unrest right now. Well, um, all I can tell you is uh, my son, Brooks's good friend, is there now visiting with his family. And all seems well from their Facebook postings. So yeah, if you're visiting Thailand, you can still ride the elephants because right. I've, I've seen... I've seen Luke on the elephant. It looks well. Good. They do have a curfew going on, so um, but, so I, I'm not sure. Night, I think nightlife is a little curtailed. But yes, well, he's with his mom, so so he's so he's not <laughs> so his so nightlife's curtailed anyway. <laughs> well, anyway, so it is open for business. That you know, they would love to have their visitors. It's a great country to visit. Um, so I'm glad to hear they're doing that. Okay, so, Jill, give me one second. I have to go. Literally, this is a live broadcast. Shut the windows because the somebody just fired up a tree trimmer, and I forgot okay. to shut the windows. Give okay. me two seconds. Okay, I'm back. Much better. <laughs> okay, tree trimmer. <laughs> okay. All right. averted. Okay, on to Moscow, Leon. Yeah. There was a fascinating, I found it fascinating, a fascinating interview done by Brian Williams of NBC of Edward, Edward Snowden. Now, he, of course, is the one behind the whole NSA spying thing, and he has been held up in Moscow for over a year. So the first thing, Leon, did you see the interview? Or you know you what? I saw a lot of pieces of it, um, on, and then I read a lot about it. So I didn't see the whole thing, but okay. I feel like I'm up to date. Okay. So here's here's my first, my overarching comment yes. that if one of my girlfriends was dating Snowden, I would have to speak up and say, you have got to dump this guy. He is an egomaniac. He is not going to make you happy. He is only concerned with himself. Okay, that was. I actually thought he was more presentable than I imagined him to be. Like okay. I really envisioned, uh, like an inarticulate I hacker guy. You know, I thought he would, but I was actually surprised uh, that he was as uh, articulate and presentable. Which also made me think everything he said was a lie. Yes. Okay. So. Um, 
yeah, that I mean, that's he, you know, he had a number of claims. Uh, first of all, he claimed that by unmasking the government spying programs that he really didn't harm anyone. Well, that's not exactly true. Um, and he claims his second claim was that he had no relationship with the Russian government, that the only reason that he ended up in Russia, it's all the State Department's fault. Yeah. I love it. I love it when he blames the, the State Department because he had plans to go to Cuba and then to South America, which I assume was Venezuela is where he was heading. Um, and uh, it was the State Department that revoked his passport and um, and so stranded him in Moscow. He had no plans to be there. But, you know, I mean, and that he has I loved when he said he has no relationship with the Russian government. Yeah. Okay. I mean, how laughable is that? Oh, really? You You think you're just in Russia? by yourself that how, how, who's paying who's paying your rent how are you how are you living over there and how is it that you got to be on a call-in show with president putin <laughs> how is that possible how is that possible you think you're just there uh that you have no relationship so i it's it was almost implausible like if he is that smart how could he be that naive about about you know what he did the implications of what he did or where he is or why he's there i mean obviously he's being used by the russian government i mean i felt i felt like the only thing that i kind of believed of what he said lean was that um, when the U.S. government um, first said that he was a low-level, you know, data guy, you know, mm-hmm. that he was just a computer guy. 29-year-old hacker. A 29-year-old Which is hacker. how that, that stuck in my head. Like, yeah, just a 29-year-old hacker. Okay, so I think maybe he might have been something more, but do I believe he was the real spy that he was claiming to be? No. No, Leanne. I don't. No, that okay. made me laugh. I, that made Although me laugh. that's a good concept for a TV show. That's what I... That's what I thought. thought. I mean, he was. It's like Alias with the guy. Uh, You know, he is just not. You know, he is. He is operating in an alternative universe. He is just not seeing what is in front of him. Um, And you know, the fact that he, you know, is sitting there in Russia and thinks, well, he has no relationship with Russia. Oh, please give me a break. So. You know, I. What do you, you think know, he's going to do? Do you think he's going to come home, face the music, uh, like John Kerry wants him to do? Face the music, like I, like you know, man other, up and come man in. up. That's right. That was the phrase I was searching for. That that's what. It, well, yes. Well, he's expressed an interest in coming home again because he's again lives in the world of one, and he thinks that because he wants to come home, that that should happen. So he's just waiting for his amnesty deal. It sounds like. Uh, so I don't think that's going to happen. Um, you know, so whatever whatever issue he raised about, you know, the U.S. government spying on U.S. citizens and others, you know, how he did it, uh, you know, is just not really believable, you know, because he was a coward. He did, you know, he did he did flee the country. And now he's, you know, he's hiding in Russia, hiding in plain sight in Russia. I mean, if he really wanted to, he doesn't have the courage to address this issue in the United States. So. I think he's just hanging out with Gerard Depardieu, isn't he? A, <laughs> isn't he a Russian citizen now? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. I, I think the I think the two of them have done yeah. too many vodka shots, Leon. <laughs> this is this is my thinking. So so yes, I'm sure he's kind of like uh, like a mini celebrity over there, but. Right. 
but I think, but you know, the Russians are smart. I mean, you know, they, they can see how naive he is. And, you know, I'm glad that Brian Williams did the interview so that we all can make, you know, form our uh, opinion of him. Uh, uh, Cause I does, I do think it gives us more information, um, but I don't, I don't think he needs any more publicity now. I think he's done. <laughs> That's what I think. All right. So we're not going to speak of him again. We're not going to have a moratorium on Satellite Sisters covering Edward Snowden. Right. Okay. It starts right now. (laughs) Moving on. The Malaysian plane, Leanne. Where is that jet? Where the heck is that jet? Oh, my gosh. The latest news, of course, is that they have now determined that the pings that they have been, like, searching for in the the oceans off Australia... They are not from the black box and that they now feel like this, the search area is totally discounted is the words that the plane is not there. They've had those that uh, the submarine looking for it and, and they think they're in the wrong place. It's almost as if they have to go back to square one. We have to go back to the holograms on the CNN coverage, go back to the flight deck. You know, I feel terrible for those families. They've gotten so such poor information, no information. There was that quote sense of closure. Cause like, Oh, at least we know where. Yes. And, and now it just, it just must be heartbreaking for them all over again. And yet as someone who's, I am interested in the story, where did that jet go, Julie? Where is it? I don't, I don't know. I really don't know, Leon. You know, you know my working theory, which the sisters discounted. I said it was going along the northern route. I didn't. You did. It. You held fast uh, to that. I feel bad that the Australian Navy is embarrassed because I don't. Australians are good folks. I don't think they should be embarrassed at all. But apparently, they've been humiliated because of the false report. Reporting of the pings. I said the slightest bit funny, but I feel bad for Australia. But I really feel bad for those families. And, you know, the Malaysian government's been fairly dismissive of them anyway. And now it is like starting all over again from square one. And it is a mystery. It's a mystery I'm interested in. Yeah. And so, but they certainly, the Australian government had, you know, they, the resources, the commitment that everybody made to search for that plane in those terrible conditions, you know, I, I, it's really been something. So, um, I don't know, Leanne, I don't know where, I know know where that jet is either, Julie. All right. Well, that's good. International news reporting. Excellent work. You've been busy. You've busy this week. It's a good thing I had the plumber so you could brief us on the Edward Snowden thing. All right. Move on. Uh, I told you, Leanne, we are not going to mention. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. (laughs) We have a blackout on him. Okay. We're going on. To Tuesday Trends, Leon. Yes. Okay, and this is a special one for our sister Monica. I don't know if you heard the latest show, but Monica was uh, doing a little, we're going to a family wedding mid-June, and Monica was doing some pre-wedding prep, and she read about a fascinating diet where she had the opportunity to lose up to 11 pounds in four days. So she was in. She thought this sounded like a great plan and it was just going to be, it was just going to work out fine. Only two problems, Leanne. The diet consisted of number one, that you were limited to 360 calories a day. And this was for men. So you can figure for women, we were probably going to get less. And number two, 
that you had to walk for eight hours a day, just continuously walk. <laughs> so that sort of Monica was out for that. She did not see how that was going to happen. So lo and behold, I have found something for Monica and for others that have just been trying to figure out how to up their calorie burn during the day. And this is a new desk that they have developed. It's called the Active Desk, Leanne. Mm-hmm. And what it is, is it's a cycling workstation. Oh, so imagine this, Leanne. You were, it's like a recumbent bike with, with, I can't, with, I can't think of anything worse combining cycling and work. <laughs> Honestly, I hate cycling. I do too, Leanne. I, do. I just, I, it's just like, I hate it, it burns my thighs. I know. I never, I hate that exercise cycle. I will never, never take a spinning class. Sweat. Like, I hate it. That, that is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. But if Leanne, if we get one of these active desks, okay, which it actually seems to make more sense. Like I can see this actually catching on a little better than I can um the treadmill desk. Really? I, I don't what's the, what are people's hang ups with the treadmill desk? It's hard to type with it, but my yes, husband yes. said it's fantastic for conference calls and stuff. Think yes, like it, we think about how many calories we would have burned over the course of doing Satellite Sisters if we had been walking uh, for the last fourteen years. Okay, <laughs> we, we, oh, we'd look like Adriana Partridge if I we know. had been walking for fourteen years. Oh my gosh, Leon, we've missed it. We've we missed have it. anyway. They the some of the research it's it's still preliminary on yeah. this active desk, but they believe that you can burn up to between two and three hundred calories more an hour just by sitting and typing and working and pedaling. So Monica, this one's for you, an active desk. All right, that I, that's a lot of extra calories an hour. I know, Leanne. 300 so, calories an hour? See, now you're in, Leanne. Now you're in. No. You I'm ne- next if, book, Leanne. You can do this, Leanne. Active desk. Yeah, okay. I, if it involves cycling, I'm never in. <laughs> okay. Okay. Second Tuesday trends coming to you on Thursday is, okay, This marketers are, are all over this because they now see in the United States a great willingness by cat and dog owners to cook their dogs, uh, cook their meals. Uh-huh. That this is the joy of cooking for dogs and cats. <laughs> that this is, Leon, that there is na- there are now a lot of products out mm. there that are sort of like sort of like cake mixes, where you're not actually making a whole meal for your cat or your dog, but but you know you, there are some sort of prepackaged meals so that you can heat it and you can have that emotional reward of cooking a meal for your for your dog and that you're able to customize your pet's meal whether your 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 cat or your dog likes more veggies or bacon or whatever it is this this is this is the next big thing in cat and dog food <laughs> are you gonna, are you in land no are, i'm not in Joel. Are I'm you not in. You know what? I, I am exhausted from cooking for the humans in my house. I wish the dog could cook for me is what I wish. Then <laughs> when is that? When that's trending, let me know. Okay. Okay. I thought, that, yeah, the joy of cooking for dogs and cats. If they can cook, super. <laughs> I'm just imagining your German shepherd at your stove, Leanne. It's It's funny, right? Uh, maybe they could just even wash the dishes. Uh, anything. Help. Anything. 
okay. Okay. Well, we're out on that. That is not going to happen. So strike two. Okay. No to the active desk. We are not cooking home meals. Okay. But this is a trend, Leanne, I know you're going to be able to get into. I think this is very good news for Satellite Sisters, uh, for really for all women, is now they're finding out that uh, clothing manufacturers, that if they just label the clothing small, medium, and large. Yeah. Rather than four to six, you know, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14, you know, 16, you name it, that they actually can sell more clothes. I totally believe that. That that they have found that like if women will not go up in a size, like if you think that you are an eight and for some reason the eight does not fit you, you are not going to put that 10 on or that 12. You just, you're going to walk out of the store. But somehow, if the garment is marked medium, okay, that gives the garment manufacturers up to it like a three inch, three to four inch leeway in act- making um, making a size. So it's much more likely it's going to fit you. So um, so you're and they'll sell more more product that way. I totally believe that. Don't you? Don't you think yes, that's? I, yeah. I think that's yeah. good. I think anything to confuse sizing. That's right. why I that's enjoy why Chico's it. is so good, right? Yeah, because it is. It's you know, it's their own size or Europeans sizing. You know, because there are numbers <laughs> that we don't know what they mean. Right. You know? They so, might as well be in Celsius. We don't know. What? <laughs> I don't know. Celsius sizingly. There's a good trend. So, but I think that's something that we can get into, you know, just, and it, it makes it easier when you're shopping, right? Because, you know, you, it can fit. I, right. That's what you think. <laughs> Although I'm not that, I don't, I'm not, I feel like I'm not that size sensitive, but I know other women that are. Oh, yeah. I yeah. am. I am. Oh, okay. All right. It's a hard line for me, Leanne. It's a hard line. Okay. Like, because it's, because I feel like it's a slippery slope. If I, if I go there, that I'm never going back. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So, so that's so it's really less of a trend than a psychological issue, really. Yeah, it is a deep psychological issue. Okay. With my body image. Yes, Leah. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. All right. Uh, should we do bra now? My new bra. Yeah, let's, why don't we do bra? Yes. yes okay. We have, some, we have some underwear news. Yes. <laughs> well, this caught my eye uh, in the New York Times. It was about, um, can't find it at the mall? Make it yourself. And this is the story of, okay, I know. Well, I didn't catch my eye because I'm going to do this. It just, I admire this young girl's pluck. So this is the story of a high school girl, Megan Grassell. And she is, uh, she's a high school senior. She was a, yeah, she was in high school at the time. And she went out to look for bras with her younger sister, who was like Mm -hmm. 13 at the time. And they were astonished to find, the older sister was astonished to find that you couldn't buy a bra for a 13, size for a 13 year old girl that wasn't either padded or push up. Like they just couldn't find oh, a simple, sure. nice bra. And the other reason this story caught my eye was that um, these two sisters happened to live in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, where I used to live. Right. And I can tell you, Megan, 30 years ago, there wasn't any place to buy a bra in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, right. <laughs> padded or otherwise. I can remember there were, it was the tiny kind of ski town where there was like really high end outlet stores, like Ralph Lauren outlet stores or a five and dime. So mm-hmm. I have distinct memories of my roommates and I, we had to drive to Idaho to buy a bra. So <laughs> drive up. <laughs> 
head over the mountains. Desperate to go to Idaho. <laughs> you really, because for underwears and bras, you had to go to Idaho Falls. So first of all, I was just pleased to see that they carried bras in the town of Jackson. That's a step forward 30 years later. But this is an interesting dilemma. The sister was outraged that she couldn't just find a nice, simple, workable, like cute, simple brassiere for her 11 to 15-year-old sister that didn't sexualize her in some weird, freakish way. So good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so not a sports bra. Right. Something that she could wear to to school or something. Right. Right. So, 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 So exactly. She didn't have any sewing experience. This is not someone who knew how to do this, but she decided to design and do prototypes of these simple bras. There are pictures in the New York Times and they're, they're a little sports bra like, but they're not as binding or anything. Mm -hmm. That's just the style. And, uh, she, she launched her own company called Yellowberry, which is a super cute name. And uh, she found a manufacturer for her little yellow berry bras, and now she's selling them. They they are a little pricey, thirty to forty two dollars, but it's because she's doing small runs now. But I have to really admire that she just really had to take a stand, basically about like clothes that oversexualized, you know, young girls. Good for her. Good for Megan. So there I you think have that's, it. That shows remarkable uh, maturity, right. or, or just, or and also ingenuity, because that would never occur to the Dolan sisters. Like, I don't have a bra that I like, so I think I'll make one. No, that would not. We've. Or especially, I don't have a bra that Leanne would like, so I'm going to make her one. <laughs> I think we all had the same training bra, literally. I think that by the time I got that one training bra, it was like 100 years old. So, so uh, uh, anyway, so uh, good for Megan. It's also very interesting to know she is one of the top-ranked skiers in the United States. and oh, she, she's going to get into college. Well, she's already headed to Middlebury. Um, okay. Because they have a good ski team, but she's actually thinking she might take a year off and try to see her business plan through. Her mom and her dad have been helping her. Uh, she started a Kickstarter campaign to raise the money, and, and she may take a year off from the skiing to carry on with her mission. And I say, Megan, whatever you decide to do, but well done. Well done. That's, so that's there you go. I hope she makes the billions that the woman who made Spanx. Yes. I hope, I hope that she's equally successful. Yes. Which brings me to my embarrassment of the week, Leanne, was, yeah. you know, we're all, all the sisters are in sort of pre-wedding mode. We're <laughs> yes. going to this family wedding, and for whatever reason, we try to, we try to bring our best stuff, right, to the <laughs> wedding. We just try to be our best people. We, we come with fresh stories. We want fresh haircuts. Everybody is, you know, as Monica is considering all kinds of bizarre diets, whatever it takes, that's what we're doing. So I was just doing a little pre-wedding uh, dry cleaning. I thought, well, you know, I just I want to make sure I have clean clothes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the wedding. How about that? So I, I just I, I just I had did a major dry cleaning operation in my closet took a whole bunch of clothes to the dry cleaners, things that I hadn't cleaned in a while. And it all came back and I thought, I'm great. I'm way ahead. And lo and behold, there it was, uh, you know, in the, in the rack of hangers, um, in its own plastic bag on, um, on a hanger with um, safety pins was somehow um, my, (laughs) my pair of Spanx. That's that's and to the dry cleaners. Now, this is the pair of Spanx that I don't know what's ever happened to you, but I sort of busted through one little <laughs> segment 
thanks. And so there it is uh, in a lovely separate dry cleaning thing. It has one of the special dry cleaner tags with a universal code on it. So next time I send my Spanx to the dry cleaners, they'll know whose it is. Oh, brother. So I am ready to go, Leanne. Okay. It sounds good. Yeah, go. My special pair of Spanx. That is, that's, that's a good write-in. That's a good, like, Facebook posting, like, your most embarrassing item you ever sent to the dry cleaner. You're not the first to send something okay, like that. Okay, anyone, any of you, have you done that? Have you sent your Spanx to the dry cleaners? I mean, and if you're the dry cleaners and you receive the Spanx, I guess this is the protocol. Right, just you just clean. clean, you say nothing. You just clean, charge, and get returned. That's what you do. <laughs> Oh, well, anyway, to take uh, take my mind off the embarrassment, Leanne, um, I, I went with my with my husband, my boyfriend there uh, to go see the movie Chef. Have you heard about this movie? I have heard about it. I would like to see it. I enjoy John Favreau. It's about, you know, the cooking trucks in L.A. and it looks great. It is John Favreau. He's he's you know he's a great actor, and they've got all kinds of people in this movie. Right. Scarlett Johansson's in it. Robert Downey Jr. Sofia Vergara's in it. Oliver Platt. I love him. Oh, you do love him. Yes, yes. Uh, he's in the movie, and it's the story of a real sh- of a chef um, who has to find his mojo again, and he does it with a cooking truck, and that's that's the basic story. So. My review, Leon, is it's very, very pleasant. You're going to enjoy it. Okay. And as soon as you come out of the movie, you are going to want a Cuban sandwich more than life itself. <laughs> because that, there are, it's just the most delicious. I mean, that's what he makes mm-hmm. on his food truck is a Cuban sandwich. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you are like so hungry when you come out of this movie. And it's, you just want to immediately Get out your panini maker and start pressing because it you're just starved. You're just starved. So is it fabulous? No. Is it great? No. But it's a very pleasant movie, and, um, <laughs> I, and I think you would enjoy it. But I would just go ahead, just... Just get all the ingredients for a Cuban sandwich before you get go to the movies so you can make it as soon as you get home. Good That's tip. My- That's a good tip, Julie. And now I want I want to send you to Words and Pictures. Have you seen that yet? No, no. I haven't seen it either, but it's like a grown-up rom-com with uh Juliette Binoche and Clive Owen. So oh. that So you you guys are going to a lot of movies lately, so go see that. See if that okay. Okay. All right. But it, this, the movie, he, he gets fired from his big restaurant job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not, I'm not t- giving away. It's in the preview. Seat. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And one of the things that he gets fired for is he is still at his restaurant. He's still making a chocolate lava cake for dessert. Oh, and- and apparently he didn't get the, he didn't read the Wall Street Journal had an article about food trends and the, their exact life. And apparently a f- chocolate lava cakes were popular uh, from 1987 to 2005. And at one, once 2005 came, they were done. They were over. You have to stop eating them, stop serving them. They're out. Uh, and it's sort of like baby spinach. Do you know that baby spinach is done? That it's no longer a food trend? I, I didn't know done. that. I'm not a cold spinach fan. So, <laughs> Oh, baby spinach is delicious. I, I eat bags of it, Leah. Oh, I see. I eat bags all... of arugula. 
Okay. Okay. It's um, 2009. Baby spinach died. Okay. But of course, you know, we have kale now that I'm hoping that that will die. And Leanne, your favorite, and you are, you are single-handedly trying to bring back this food trend that lasted from 1956 to 1978. Do you think, would you have any idea what food trend would be in that time frame? I think I know. Is it fondue? Yes. Yes. All right. It is fondue. You are. I you love are. the fondue. We we have it all the time. Everyone loves it. I know. Leanne. No one it, doesn't love melted cheese or melted chocolate. No one. And bread, right? And bread. No one. It's no one. Okay, but it was over, and it's been over for uh, quite some time, Leanne. But <laughs> just uh, for nearly forty years. Uh, but but I th- I know you're trying to bring it back. So that that's something. I just. There are certain foods, though, like kale, you know, that at Brussels sprouts, I believe that they, you know, 2014 would be a good year for them to die mm-hmm. as food trends. But crab cakes and Cuban sandwiches, I think they should live on forever. Yeah. You know what? Something like a crab cake is just too delicious to go by the wayside. You know, it's just so delicious. <laughs> But Leanne, that's what they said about the chocolate lava cake. Oh, that's true. Or, 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 you know, even fondue. Fond- yeah. Yep. So it can happen, Leanne. It can happen to your favorite foods and they will no longer be on menus. You'll be, you know, people will not want to come to your house for dinner because you're serving crab cakes. Well, I, I think the sign is when they show up in a microwavable container, it's over. Because I know, like, I can't make a chocolate lava cake, but my boys love them. So occasionally I buy them in microwavable containers at uh, Trader Joe's. And that I... You know, or when McDonald's starts putting kale in a salad, it's over. Like I noticed Panda <laughs> Express now has a kale shiitake mushroom chicken, which mm. is actually kind of tasty, but it's like kale is dead. You know, once it reaches that level. Hallelujah, like Leanne. It's like, remember when dead. everything was Caesar? Like it used yeah. to be kind of cool to order a Caesar salad and not when Wendy's is serving a Caesar salad. It's no, no longer cool or a salad, really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. All right, Julie. A couple weeks ago, you posed your dilemma about uh, Zorro, your dog, your big black lab, just sitting down on the job that you take him frequently out for walks like a good dog owner. And sometimes Zorro just gives up the ghost. And then you reported last week that you got some advice from a dog trainer who lives next Mm -hmm. to your sister-in-law. And she speculated that Zorro was bored, right? Right. Yes, yes. And then I needed to like switch up his roots, make it more interesting. I have been talking to that dog nonstop, thinking that maybe he just needed more conversation and that would pick him up on the route. Okay. All right. So I had a funny email from Kyra Sundance. Now, Kyra's a longtime Satellite Sisters listener. She has an unusual job. She's a dog trainer. She trains do- and writes a lot about dogs uh, and has many books that I will mention in a second. Um, but uh, she she's also like a distance runner. She seems to just be constantly running on trails from her Facebook page and her Twitter postings, hence the need to listen to a lot of podcasts. So it's been fun to get to know Kyra on Facebook. I've never met her or seen one of her dog shows, but she works in Hollywood. She works big private parties. She works all kinds of things. So she has some personal advice for you, Julie. And I I hope I do Kyra's voice correctly. I I hope I get the tone of this message. Advice for Julie and Zorro. Julie, Zorro gets a loving home, good food, and good vet care. 
it's not too much to ask of him to walk around the block. He can, <laughs> he can suffer through it. I love that. Whoa. No, okay. Tough so love for Zora. Oh, okay. yeah. Mr. Z. Yeah. You hear this? Okay. So here you go. When he sits, Julie, yeah. use your foot under his belly to nudge him up. <laughs> Okay. It's easiest if you get that toe pointed under the belly before he even gets into the sitting position. So when you see him going down, stick your foot in. Okay. It but seems like, it I, I, I feel like I'm likely to go down with this maneuver, but go ahead. But okay. go ahead please. If okay. he doesn't get up, keep annoying him with the foot. Oh. Do okay. it every time. And eventually, and this is where Kyra understands the mind of a dog versus you who is trying to engage him in conversation. <laughs> and give him high, higher valued <laughs> treats. Do it every time. And eventually he'll realize that sitting is just hmm, annoying. <laughs> like if you keep nudging his belly, there's no point in sitting. Also, keeping a brisk pace obviously helps. So. Okay. Okay. And then, and then this other dog trainer said, you know, you might want to engage him in some games. And I said, well, actually me and I like to play hide and seek. <laughs> and so here's one from one of Kyra's books, 10 minute dog training games. Okay. So, uh, he, Julie, it's for you and Zorro, but I think okay. I'm going to try it with Mia. Cause I think she'd enjoy it. It's called muffin tin. All right. <laughs> so you drop some treats into the cup of a muffin tin. You okay. let your dog sniff them and eat them. Okay. Then you drop more treats into the cups and you cover half the treats with tennis balls. Let your dog mess with it until he figures out to push the dogs, the balls out of the way to get the treats. More treats cover all the cups with tennis balls. This should keep him busy for five minutes or in Zorro's case, like an hour and a half. <laughs> oh, that was mean, Liam. That was just mean. He is a soulful dog, Liam. He, he is, he is, he is a prince of a dog. Okay. Okay. Just because he doesn't jump up like, uh, like somebody I know. She doesn't jump anymore. Um, but she's enthusiastic anyway. So there you go. Muffin tin. I'm going to try that. Tin. Okay. Yeah. All right. So if you want to find out more about Kyra, she has a great website called do more with your dog.com and, uh, plenty of books. We are going to have her on the show. She has a new book coming out in a little bit. So we're going to wait till her new book comes out so you can uh, talk so she can tell us about it. But I also wanted to mention this. This is kind of cool. She is going to be, uh, the opening act at the opening night of the Oregon Shakespeare Festival in Ashland. So if you happen to be in Ashland on June 15th, if you are going to see the two gentlemen of Verona, uh, Kyra will be entertaining out in front of the Shakespearean Theater. They have a great area out there. It's known as the Green Room, uh, but it's an outdoor space to entertain the crowds, just like they did in Elizabethan days. So she is working up a Shakespeare-inspired dog act. She huh. said she her dog is JD. She's a really cute dog. Uh, she said she happens to have a skull and a big cauldron left over from a Halloween show that she did. <laughs> <laughs> and she's going to do 30 minute stunt dog show with things like frisbee, hoops, basketball, rolling a barrel, ring toss, painting with a paintbrush, and demonstrating her ability to read. <laughs> okay. So okay, now I'm really feeling bad yeah. about Soro because he can't do any of those things. But <laughs> we'll start with the muffin tins. Liam. It is and, the and least he could do is to walk around the block, is basically what she's saying. <laughs> 
So I will post this information uh, about Kyra, her show, the Ashland show, and everything like that at SatelliteSisters.com. And we're looking forward to talking to her. So, uh, but there you go. Passing that along. And then, Julie, I just have one more quick thing. I wanted to thank Cindy. You know, tomorrow is my charity golf tournament I mentioned I was playing. Yes. <laughs> How's your handicap plan? How's, how's it coming along? <laughs> Well, I would like, I can interpret that many ways, but Cindy, I mentioned, uh, to, uh, you know, on the last Tuesday show that I had gone to like hit a bucket of balls and every bone in my body hurt like the next day. So I was a little worried. And Cindy warned me. She, she was pleading with me on the website, Leon, I was trying to get in shape for a golf tournament and I played overplayed and I worked too hard. And then she had bursitis in her shoulder for two years. So she said, please don't do that. So Cindy, I just want you to know, I heeded your warning. I paced myself, even though it was tempting to try to go out and hit every day. I knew that was not going to be productive. I did not want to hurt my shoulder, which has had some issues in the past. So thank you, Cindy. I intermingled my my ball, my golfing with a lot of yoga and yoga stretches. I feel like I am totally ready Last week, I went out and played nine holes with my son. He wanted to play 18. I said only nine. Yesterday, we did putting, chipping, and the driving range for an hour and a half yesterday afternoon to get used to the speed of the greens, Julie. So I feel like we're in pretty oh, good Lynn, shape. Lynn, the golfer. I, I'm, still, I'm still reeling over here that, that, you're, that you're putting and chipping, but that's good. I really, you can't, you have, we're. We're all rooting for you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, we really want you to do well. And thank goodness you have that ringer of a son uh, who's going to be on your team. Right. So uh, I'm sure you won't. I'm sure you won't embarrass yourself. So that's no. I think we are in good shape. And one of the other women, she said she took a golf lesson, which just goes with so many tips. So we're really, I, I think we're in good shape for tomorrow. Uh, well, first of all, none of us have bursitis. So Cindy, I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for the many people who posted the great information about coconut oil. You, yes. Julie, you can do everything with it. Get rid of acne, whiten your teeth, grease your car, soften your feet, cook with it. I think you can paint your house with it. There you better is, plant a coconut tree there, in that backyard of yours, Leanne. Totally. There's nothing you can't do with coconut. So thank you so much. Super, super helpful. I, I am going to get some coconut oil. I haven't, haven't been to the natural food store to get the good coconut oil. People warn me, don't get mm-hmm. the bad stuff. Get the organic stuff. So I'll get that um, after the, the big golf tournament's over. <laughs> yeah, then I can slather some on. I know it's going to help. <laughs> All right. We are the Satellite Sisters. We'd like to thank you so much for sharing the sisters. Um, it's really been a successful campaign. So well done, Satellite Sisterhood. If you are not a member of our Facebook group, we would love to have you. You do have to sort of ask for permission. Uh, if you're not the creepy plumber that showed up at my door, you're welcome to join the group. You, Rico, the creepy plumber. Don't even try it. I'm on to you. Um, uh, but there's a lot of discussions going on there that I think you'll find engaging and fun by Satellite Sisters all over. Looks like we're going to have a pretty good turnout at the Chatham uh, Satellite Sisters Cape Cod Meetup on June 15th. That is Sunday, June 15th. Um, We'll be there at Brax Landing from 2 to 4, and we would love to see as many Satellite Sisters as possible. Information at the website and the Facebook page. Jewel, have a great week. You too, Leanne. It's Thursday. It's Thursday already. It's a short week, so have a good weekend. All right. Okay. All right. And don't forget, call your satellite sister. Once you find your shoulders dropping and your speech gets slow and hazy, you'd better change your way of being. 
before you found your brain got lazy. You can build a better future when you join the winning team. If you desire a bright tomorrow, you must build a brighter dream. Dare to let your dreams reach beyond you. Know that history holds more than it seems. We are here alive today because our ancestors dared to dream. From Africa they lay in the bilge of slave ships and stood half naked on auction blocks. From Eastern Europe they crowded in vessels overloaded with immigrants and were misnamed on Ellis Island. From South America and Mexico, from Asia, they labored in sweatshops. From all over the world, they came to America, many shivering in rags, and still they dared to dream. Let us dream for today and for tomorrow. Let us dare to dream, dream.